0: Ho, 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 listening people. Ho, 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 there. Ho, 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 there. How are you doing, strange voice in the ether? I'm doing well, other strange voice in the ether. How are you? Oh, I'm sick and bloody tired Damn! of these damn naughty children who don't wash behind their ears. And they swear... Back in my day we never did things like that. It's this it's this new generation of Finnish children that I can't stand.
1: Mm. You're also another adjective. Uh, that adjective being Ryan.
0: <sighs> yes, everyone's favorite adjective right next to everyone's favorite verb Bartek.
1: That's you. everyone everyone
0: do the Bartek. Do the Bartek. It's it's illegal in some countries. But you're allowed to not do it Finland. here. Not, not Finland. Finland. Well, n- not not Finland, especially not Poland, because. We are spit and polish, likely, because we're always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish gentlemen, and on our podcast we talk about movies that come recommended, and we are nearing the end of the year. This will most likely be the last episode of the year, and what a way to go out on, because we're talking about a holiday film. Yes, it's that Christmassy time of year, and we always like to pick a holiday film, and we with pictures, power. We talk about those movies that come recommended, recommended, and the cycle of recommendations goes. Bartek, myself, and then you, the listening people. And as is tradition, it's Bartek's time. Bartek's the one responsible for the movie of the season. And what the a
1: Christmas? Pick. The Christmas cycle is uh, me, you, me, listening people, me, then
0: me again. Then, then you again, what a way to go, and you make a stipulation on yourself as well with your recommendations overall, don't you? you ever... I
1: do mm-hmm. I do It you was a challenge well. i put I, I it's a challenge I put on myself and it has challenged me
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, because um obviously we we live in the Western world, most of the films that uh we get that we can very easily see are Hollywood films. Um, so I try to do it where uh, one, one time where it's my cycle of recommendation, I'll do a Hollywood film, and then the next I will do something that Hollywood uh, had nothing to do with. Um, and mm-hmm. it's fallen on me this time where I had to pick a film that Hollywood had nothing to do with.
0: As it did last time. Last yes.
1: Christmas. Yes, we had a repeat of last year, when not only was it my turn again to recommend a Christmas film, but it was also a non-Hollywood one.
0: And thankfully this time, you picked a Finnish horror comedy family Christmas movie, it's spooky, it's scary, and oh, it's so scary that we, 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 we can't record in the same room this time. Oh it's so scary. Bartek couldn't leave his house. He had his knees all the way tucked over his head. He was just that frightened of the pick that he gave us. And what movie is this Bartek? What is the film that I am building up to be one so terrifying that it makes your bones turn to ice?
1: Yes. Well, because uh because I'm flattered by the fact that Finland is allowed to Bartek, um I decided to go with a Finnish film and that film is rare exports a christmas tale from 2010
0: or just rare rare exports it depends where you are what's the finished title i wonder i didn't look it up i don't Uh, know if you have the technology the bar technology to look it up but this is as you said from 2010 or 2010 if you want to be precise And this is a horror comedy film about a fam, well, father and son living in Finland and this small community that are getting uh, terrorized in very subtle and and quiet ways by some what could be supernatural happenings the mountain that looms over this small community has been dug into by some tycoon who's wanting to benefit himself by capturing and selling and using and abusing some creature that's been locked up in that mountain many many moons ago what creature is that well if you don't know Rare Exports, you should go and watch it for yourself because we'll get in details. But I can say, and I, this is this is the major selling point of the movie, this is a Santa is a monster type Christmas story. It's Krampus. It's the Finnish story. It even says at a portion in the movie that oh, this is this is a story from people who brought you Santa Claus and although it is very much marketed as the santa claus is a monster film it is very different to what that premise sells you so please go watch this for yourself if you do not want to be spoiled on things but it is something worth checking out for sure wouldn't you say bartek
1: oh it definitely is yeah um i based on my very light research i couldn't find a finished title but um Considering the fact that this film is partially in English, and we see, you know, at the end of the film a sort of visual title drop, maybe it just is an English title.
0: Some characters do speak English in this film. Mm Mm-hmm. Quite a number, in fact, but not our two mains, really. But Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale, I was aware of this movie when you pitched it. It was quite the meme back in the day, I would say. The trailer got around, just the premise of it was very infamous. People were joking about this is one of those films that did success it did have success it, it has garnered a, an audience but in in my views it was a film that people were excited about and talked about but did not go out and watch i didn't really know many people who actively watched this uh, i knew more people who talked about it and uh, we've both had that experience where where, where we're, we've had colleagues of ours even guests on this podcast talk about these cr- crazy wacky movies that they themselves will never ever watch and this was the case with rare exports and i i i never was drawn to checking it out i i saw the the trailers on dvds back in the day remember when you bought dvds and they had the little little promos little trailers little short things for other movies and you Mm -hmm. you would have to suffer through those dvds that wouldn't let you fast forward through them when let you chapter select skip over them and this was one of those and i never had any reason for not wanting to see it it just did not look appealing to me enough it was it looked sweet i'm like oh that okay cute like what a that's a cute little idea and i never went beyond that so when you recommended it I I had a I had a warm feeling because it has loomed it has loomed over me over the decade plus and I was I was positive walking into this I, I again I didn't. Go out of my way to see it back in the day and i never was really planning on doing so but it was a case i was telling my sister about this because my sister has seen this movie i said oh rare exports is going to be one of those movies where I'll, I'll only watch it if somebody else wants to watch it and i won't object like there's no there's no animosity there it's just one that i'm not gonna download or buy or stream myself but uh, Bartek, what about you? You're the one who recommended this film, so tell us a bit about your familiarity or lack thereof, or if you've seen this before or you haven't. Let us know.
1: No, It's very much the lack thereof. I hadn't heard of this film. Uh, I don't recall anything from around 2010, anyone talking about it or, or seeing the trailers or anything like that. Um, this really was just a case of me looking up... Uh, you know, Christmas films from whatever country came to my head, and the second thing I tried was what about Scandinavia? Any Scandinavian Christmas films? Um, and this was the one that kept popping up. Basically, Rare Exports a Christmas sale. Um, it seemed like multiple people really liked it. There were a couple of articles like listing here a bunch of good Christmas films to watch, and this one was on a couple of them. Um, it seems like it's very popular in Finland. Um, oh yes, was made. Yep, like uh, it's it's beloved. I, from what I recall, uh, mm-hmm. I did this research almost a month ago now, so it's not quite fresh <laughs> in my head. An Australian to...
0: actor claims it's one of her favorite films. Do yeah, that was, who... a yeah, it was a
1: recurring yeah, that was recurring
0: trivia point about uh clate uh, Kate Blanchett. I want to hear that from her mouth. I want to hear <laughs> her say this. I have only seen it written down. I want to hear her explain and and just i want to hear her go in depth about this movie i respect kate blanchett as a as a performer and as an artist so i would really love to hear her opinions and that's not me saying that i i disagree it's just she's someone that you that many people would associate as a very artsy high class very prestigious uh, performer. So to hear the idea that she's into this film in such a way is something that makes me raise my eyebrows. Because this film is 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 a goofy little treat. It's a it's got the little creepies and the crawlies. It's a little spooky, but overall, it's it's a silly. Uh, it's a silly outlet and i just really would love to hear kate blanchett expouse upon this some some more but you were saying you did some research for this because you knew that you were the one responsible for the christmas recommendation this year and this was yeah, just and, what met your criteria
1: yeah and to call back to what i said before last year i did also a non hollywood christmas film and i'm pretty sure if you go back and listen to that episode i talk about you know what a saga it was just trying to pick something because i went through so many different candidates where i was rejecting things because like oh, okay apparently this is like you know trash tier in this country that it's from or i couldn't track it down like i wanted to see if i could do like a polish christmas film but i couldn't track any down there were so many ones that's like oh this this sounds interesting but no apparently it's really bad and then I eventually stumbled upon the film that we did that year, Santa Claus is a stinker. And it ended up being a pretty good episode that we did on it. So a pretty good film to watch. Um, so I was just anticipating that this was going to happen again. And I just wanted to really lock something in early. So I, after I locked this one in, I didn't really look up anything else. I thought it seemed relatively safe slam dunk. Like we could track down copies of it and subtitles, Uh, It seems to be beloved, so, yeah, it just seemed like a really easy thing to do, and, uh, you know, next year I won't be doing it again, let's see, maybe, who knows. Don't jinx it. Sometimes it's fun to jinx it. (laughs) For
0: yourself, at least, did you remember when you sat down to watch it uh, for the pod? did you remember did you know deeply what you were in in for with the film because you had to do all of this research you had to stack things up and does that mean you were aware of what the plot was or what this could be about uh
1: i i knew the genres of it which was like you know action horror black comedy kind of thing um and i did remember reading this someone quoted an early part of the film where it's like this isn't the coca-cola santa claus so i did know that it's oh something about you know santa claus being the killer
0: Uh uh-huh all right now uh yeah this was very different to what i had imagined it to be because as i stated i do have a history with this but History with it was not involving seeing it. and the trailers for it and just a general word of mouth and even some of the the posters sell you a movie that isn't really here and this is very reminiscent to me of of something like. Uh, a cheaper what you would often see what you often see in cheaper sci-fi horror films where they lure you in, they lure you in with a rather enticing premise and or character and then you have to spend the majority of the film with a bunch of people walking around in the woods or in the snow in this case and you pad the time with with that stuff and. I don't say that as a negative criticism of this movie but it did very much follow that formula and I was perfectly fine with it in this case but it did have a lot of the the trappings of uh lower budget filmmaking within genre settings that I have become very very aware of and I was uh, I was wondering what the reaction to this was, to those people who were wanting that outrageous movie. Because this was in an era roughly around the same time we would later get the hype for something like Sharknado and, and all of that. Or even years earlier, we had Snakes on a Plane. And the thing about those movies is they're very similar as well, where it's like you're sold on this ludicrously fun premise, but then they're very dry, and then you get their spurts of absurdity. While Rare Exports... It plays it straight the entire time. There's There are jokes, of course, but the jokes stem not from just the, the, the creative team behind this saying, this would be wacky. It, it more stems from the characters are just out of their element. And what this film, like, what, what really made me think of is tremors. I thought of tremors a lot during this, in which you have a small community and they've stumbled across some entity that's totally unknown to them that's picking them off one by one and they have to band together and form a plan and get out of there and also capitalize off of it cuz also that's a thing in this movie too is capitalism and profit and christmas is this hollow facade and i thought about tremors in that way a lot now tremors i think is a is a far more uh co- like cohesive movie but just the general vibe and essence uh was in in tandem with one another uh, so what did you think of of rare exports now you had all of this struggle picking a movie so were you happy with what you got
1: it was an interesting one uh, i i felt like i was trying to keep up with the film uh most of the way through like i had heard that you know this was a black comedy um I, I I guess I wasn't expecting so much the, and I don't know why I wasn't expecting this, but like the sort of mystery element to it, where like you're comparing it to Tremors there, where it's this this community of hunters have stumbled across, you know, this gigantic half conspiracy half like a native creature that has been somewhat forgotten. Um, and I felt like for most of it, I was just trying to follow along with all of the the lore and backstory of the the creature. Like, we learn that the thing that they've got in front of them isn't actually Santa Claus. It's something uh, that's, in a way, a part of him. Um, and then I remember by the end of the film, I did have it all together. Um, and I kind of had this feeling of, uh, you know, I, I kind of wanted to watch the film again, Uh knowing what I already know at the end of the film uh, so that I could kind of appreciate it again in a, in in a proper way because for most of the film, you know, knowing it was a black comedy, I I was watching a lot of it and not knowing if what I was watching was supposed to be funny or not. Like we have a lot of scenes with our main characters, a little boy and his dad and real life father and son, real life father and son. Yeah. That was an interesting trivia point to read. Um, and a lot of their scenes together are very kind of dry and cold. And mm-hmm. while watching it, I was kind of looking at it on a surface level of like, oh, this is like some family drama going on here. Like, oh, the the, the wife, had, there was a wife in the past who died, a mother who had died. Um and, and clearly there is some tension between them, and I was watching it like, oh, this is, like, a drama that's unfolding. But then eventually you get to the point where, like, the kid who has spent the whole film, you know, being told to just stand, stay there, don't move, just stay, don't do anything, has suddenly, like, taken over the plot, and you get all these, like, you know family film camera angles and music Mm -hmm. happening and it and those moments hit me like oh shit i think i was watching the film wrong (laughs) (laughs) because in a way was a really good experience
0: because what's great about rare exports is we know even if you haven't seen the marketing and 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 there's still the mystery as you say like the the way that they examine and dole out and tell us the mythos of Santa Claus is unique and different, especially from people who are not from Finland. The The movie makes a point that this is like a Finnish tale, and yet it's still giving us all of the different minutiae. But the brilliant part is the opening credits is our main character, the small boy, realizing what the creature is immediately. Immediately. So then the rest of the movie is this mixture of Us slowly learning more about it, but also getting angered and annoyed at the adults not listening to the child, because he knows exactly what it is, and they're not going to listen to him because he's just a child, and or he's just lesser than and when you get to that magnificent moment you're talking about where the adults have to finally pay attention to the child it becomes the spielberg movie that it was trying to be the whole time but leading up to that it's your typical like european mystery thriller film with a child in it, but there's like this war there was this war within the movie, deliberately so. This is not by mistake. There's a war of two films at the same time of like your 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 typical European mystery horror film and your Spielbergian wonderful kids movie thing happening, like your Goonies or your E.T., like that era of uh, of American filmmaking, and they were clashing with each other, and then you finally get to have one take over, and that's where the comedy kind of gets to be really highlighted because it is absurd, it is it is truly absurd. But I um one of the things that I wanted to mention is. Uh, as did already, is is, it's about this father-son dynamic, and they're played by a real-life father and son, and I really liked how non-Hollywood it is. You go out of your way to pick non-Hollywood movies, and outside of just the obvious, this is not made by the Hollywood system, what does that statement mean? What does that mean outside of that? And we have had that conversation many times, like when we cover a Bollywood movie, what are the values that you often see bestowed upon their films? We talk about that. Or when we do Australian movies, what are the cultural values that you see in our films? And I don't know too much about Finnish culture, but to just go over like that father son dynamic, it's non schmaltzy Hollywood stuff. It's not as clear cut a case of your typical 1980s oh my dad isn't listening to me portrayal. It doesn't have that schmaltziness to it. In fact, the way the the child is treated is very flatly it's not even like angrily or coldly it's just very matter of fact and i really bought into them being an actual father and son i didn't know until after the movie when i when i saw the credits or when i looked it up that they're really a father and son but i felt the genuine connection because the movie Was portraying a relationship that I've seen in real life before, whether it is between myself and my father or friends around me, where it's not always the Hollywood portrayal, it's not always the Spielbergian vision of things. And I just really was won over by that. I could give less of a shit, honestly, about the Santa Claus mythos. That's nice and all, but I really just like spending time with this little boy and his dad who's a butcher.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the the, the film I, I know you mean by the, the whole Hollywood thing. Because in the past three episodes that we did, like the one last week with uh um Last of the Mohicans and the last one I recommended, uh, Apt Pupil, uh, we did talk about yeah, Hollywoodisms. How these are Hollywood films, but what would these films be like with a different lens? Like with Apt Pupil, we were comparing it to European sensibilities. And last week we were talking about Las Americas compared to like The Nightingale, an Australian film, where it's like, oh, these films did it a little bit differently. It doesn't have that sort of, yeah, very upbeat Hollywood uh, highlighting of little relationship things like that. Like and with we- this one, we begin the film where the, with the, sorry, we don't begin the film with the kid and the father. Um, but when we do get the first scene with them, it is just this very kind of, esoteric thing of like oh he's he's fallen asleep upstairs in the attic with his you know christmas sweater and just in his underwear um and his father's outside doing a bunch of like really you know labor-intensive work um and just the dynamic between them doesn't feel like any sort of typical you know uh, american family film structure they've got this just very esoteric like you know Um, you know, you know, the rules, you know, you come in here, you have to close your eyes and it it is all just very weird and, uh, you know, maybe not typical to our sensibilities. But it's Um, also,
0: we can relate if you are aware of rural living, living, because what the dad is doing is he's securing their property. He's putting down traps, he's he's laying down defences, because, well, in their case, it's wolves, but if you're someone who grew up on maybe farmland, or you recognise what that is, you can see what that means, and then you can understand why the father and son have a almost workman-like relationship, because that's kind of what you have to do when you're in that environment. Now, we are thrown into the snowy mountaintops of Finland for this, but... As someone sitting here in Australia, which that's drastically different from, I can still relate to it. No,
1: th- and that's exactly the point that I was leading into. It is... Well, for some people, for me it was. For some people, this is unusual, but seeing it played out in front of us matter-of-factly, you buy into it. Like, this is the dynamic that these two characters have, and this is sort of this, the, the tone that you're going to see develop going forward throughout the film.
0: I... Really was appreciative uh, appreciative of the little details, such as the kid who lives in this freezing environment sleeps just in his with no pants on, and he walks around with just in his underwear and his shirt and his tops and his shoes and all of that, and he's and he's not freezing. He's just perfectly fine because that yeah, this is where they are. They, they they know they they just are accustomed to this, they're acclimatized to it. And I, I it was it was a great offset too because the opening of the movie, the actual opening of the movie, is a hammer house horror movie. It's very schlocky, it's very over the top. You have this this villainous character who is the man in charge of the operation on the mountain who who has these really striking eyes he has these really intense little little beady eyes and for a split second i was like oh is that udo kier because udo kier is one of those actors and that you would get for this role but it's it's not udo kier but You have that opening where it's very much like a a schlock film, like a throwback. Here's the setup. Here's the intense monster thing we're going to have to deal with. And the children are watching it and they're in on it and they're afraid. And then you go back to the family life and the family life is reminiscent of the real world with some... With some specific touches as we've just gone through, and uh, I just want to just like say that the family aspect goes not only just to the father and son in real life, but the director and writer of this movie is the is uh, the, the the actor who plays the father, it's his uh, brother-in-law the brother-in-law. Of him, so his wife's brother wrote and directed this movie, and they've had an ongoing. This family have had an ongoing relationship, making and creating movies together. They have their own little Finnish empire. Isn't that cute? Right. Like,
1: okay. So that's the kid's uncle
0: then. Yes, the kid's uncle. But um, the the dad in this film, he was, uh, you know, he he's obviously been around for a while, and so him and uh, uh, the 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 director of this worked on a short for Rare Exports back in like twenty, uh, like in uh, two thousand two, two thousand and three. It's like four minutes long, and the premise of it is from IMDb is it's about three hunters who stumble across Santa Claus, and you can see that short in this movie when they are prodding what they think is Santa Claus, like the three goofy guys.
1: Yeah, so this is like an adaptation of that short to feature yeah. length.
0: It's kind of like how the yes, exactly. It's it's like how the Babadook, for instance, was a six minute short that was then made into a feature film by the same people and had some of the same uh, thing people involved in it. Uh, but that's the case here. And then after this movie, just to just to really hammer it in of. This team, the father and son in the movie, have continued to work together, and not always playing father and son, but this, this trio of uh, of family have gone on to make two other movies that are important to our podcast, or at least in relation to. So one of the most recent endeavors literally came out this year, was or late last year, was a film that I, I'm going to, I don't know how to say the title exactly, but uh, Sisu? which was a movie that our dear friend Will was wanting to see all year. He said, oh, if there's a movie I want to see this year, it's this movie. And it's about an old guy played by the dad in this film, in Rare Exports, who in uh, Nazi Germany stumbles across some gold and steals the gold and then is chased down by a bunch of Nazis and he has to slowly kill them one by one. And that's the premise. And it was a really celebrated film, like really good, like gore and action and just intense. And our friend Will was constantly saying through the year, oh, I want to see that movie about the old guy who kills a bunch of Nazis. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks interesting. And it's the lead guy in that. But the son, the son, his real life son and the son in this movie is in this film as one of the Nazis he has to go kill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Yep,
0: and it's directed by the director of this and writer of this and it was one of their most successful films in recent years in Finland. And so these this 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 family they keep coming together. And then the other one that's super important to this movie, the one that I do believe it says on its IMDb um, trivia was one of the most uh, highest budget, one of the most expensive Finnish films ever created is called Big Game. And let me read you what this is about, Bartek. It may highlight some memories. A young mm. teenager camping in the woods rescue helps rescue the President of the United States when Air Force One is shot down near his campsite. The president is Samuel L. Jackson. Do you remember this? Uh, from the trivia? Yep. Yeah, do you remember that premise? The idea of the United, the president of the United States is shot down and is lost in the woods, and he's played by Sam Jackson. Do you remember this at all? <laughs> this is did, a did, recurring... Could we do a film... This is a recurring bit on our show. Whenever we've done a Sam Jackson movie, or at least at some point, I reference that he does everything. Like Sam Jackson is not fussy, he'll do any movie. And I picked as an example this film. I said, Oh, there's a movie that came out where he was the president of the United States and he gets shot down and lost in the woods, and a little boy has to help rescue him. And you got so giddy at that premise. And you leaned over in the recording and said, "Can, Can we add that to the list? That sounds fun. And it's been sitting in one of my old notebooks as like, oh, we should get back around to big game. I think and that was many years ago. Yeah, right? many. Was that, ma- was that unappreciated masterpieces? Yes, because we mainly did Sam Jackson movies and unappreciated masterpieces. But yeah. isn't that fun that this this team is responsible for a movie that we have mentioned uh, offhandedly a few times over the years? And each time I mention like, and times I mention it, you're like, that sounds like a fun idea. That's a fun little idea. This is
1: two Christmases in a row where I pick a non-Hollywood film that ends up having some sort of history to us on unappreciated masterpieces.
0: Isn't that wild and wacky? Both, uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, to to get back to rare exports, uh, there was the thing about this being uh, a family film about exploring their father-son dynamic, but oh, there's a spooky monster out there that's stealing all the other children. And... As you were going through earlier, you were having to keep up with the movie like oh you you were you were trying to have to get pass through the the lore it was giving and the mythos it was giving, and then you get to the end and you you can put it all together and you wanna maybe perhaps give it a revisit at some point, but as its own as its own thing outside of just having to pick it apart like that when you're going through it or, or like get the pieces into place. As its own as its own thing, what did you think of the movie? Like did you enjoy it? Did you appreciate the the, the pacing of it or the or the overall tone or even just the, the premise of it in the end?
1: Oh I I liked the premise the whole way through, but my, my full appreciation for it did actually come with finishing off the film. Um I think one of the reasons why I you know, very quickly thought. What about a Scandinavian Christmas film? Is because I've, whenever you hear about, uh, you know, cultural differences uh, between you know typical Western countries and other countries that like, ooh, you know, pique your interest. Like, oh, that's that's a very weird thing. I feel like Scandinavian countries have a lot of them, um, and you know, the, the whole Santa mythos that they have here. Um, I don't know how accurate it is to the most common, you know, Scandin- uh, Finnish uh, mythos about Santa, but this did feel like, oh yeah, yeah, they would have something like this where Santa Claus is a monster and uh, it, it focuses more on like punishing the naughty rather than rewarding the good. Um, and I, I do know that there are other European countries that do have their own, uh, you know, weird to us sort of mythos about Santa. Like I think. I think Switzerland has one where Santa has like black servants or black slaves or something. And he kidnaps children or something like that. I, I, I can't remember the details of it, but um, I was happy that when I did pick this film, it did kind of lean into that sort of like cultural difference sensibility. So yeah, that definitely kept me going the whole way through. Um, and, and yeah, the, the, the fact that, santa claus is a monster in in this uh you know cultural mythos um it, it did when, when the film when we had the opening credits and we were going through a lot of that it was really yeah yeah building up that sort of anticipation of like well let's see where this this goes because also um we open on the the westerners up in the mountains who are like looking for santa claus um, and that kind of leaned into this sort of like cultural difference thing, where it's like, "Oh, well, what are these guys getting out of this whole, you know, weird Santa Claus uh, conspiracy slash uh, folklore?" Um, I, uh,
0: I had to, I had to take a moment to adjust because I was thinking that we were going to have. Santa Claus emerge and start killing people and they would have to fight against Santa Claus but really that does not happen Santa never breaks free they kill Santa before any of uh, his stuff could come into place it's it's more about the slow 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 build and it doesn't have much scariness to it either that was something else i was expecting some more kills some more gore some more bloodshed but it's not in there as much as you would think and it, it it's not as uh, humorous as I was expecting either, but it has the type of humor that I think is beneficial to this, which is it is, it is playing it as a drama, and that is more inherently amusing than if they did have overt gags, because there's the two ways you can take this. You can take this, the complete absurd... Silly comedy route, and just go full like surrealist, crazy nonsense, and that can be brilliant. Look at something like Black Dynamite, for instance, or you take this in which the the funny way to do it is you're 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 just playing it as if this is the most sincere thing possible, and that's what this is doing. Yeah,
1: this is the other end of the scale to don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood.
0: Exactly. And uh, it's kind of like Dr. Strangelove in a way, where Dr. Strangelove will have characters be really funny because they're playing it so straight, but then that movie also have characters be funny because they're playing it the exact opposite. Like, that's a movie with both in there, and yet it works.
1: That's a really good comparison, because I think that was actually sort of my first experience with Dr. Strangelove, where, like, when it finished, I was like, oh, thinking back on it, that was actually kind of funny. I want to rewatch that one day, and then... (laughs) Long, long time later, we did it on the podcast, and yeah, I got to, you know, have that experience,
0: gentlemen. There's no fighting in the war room, but well, that was always funny. <laughs> that was always funny. <laughs> the president is very funny in that movie, but he's played straight. The one yeah. Peter, Se- like two of the three Peter Sellers characters, are played completely vanilla, and that's why they're really great. But uh, with uh, rare exports, I thought the filmmaking was really well done. It had that. That uh, very methodical framing of the characters, when it did have the what well, we discover are elves, it shoots them in a genuinely eerie, disturbing way without trying to be gross or shocking or oh it's a horror movie it, they really do feel like otherworldly beings and that's and that's very much needed for what this is this, this film on a visual level gets to have the benefit of the snowy landscapes to aid in making it feel like an old folktale coming to life but mm. it's more than just relying on the landscapes it's about the colour palette it's about the grading it's about the lighting it's about the costuming as well I thought the Costuming was great in this movie. The way that they also had the, the 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 horror movie scary dolls that you often see, but they are relating it back to what is in the what you would imagine is in the Finnish version of the Santa Claus story uh where they take the kids and replace them with some weird
1: these <laughs> effigies
0: the effigies of them but uh, uh and of course Santa Claus has big horns that is that is one of those things where it's like if you know about like you said Scandinavian or European versions of this it's like Krampus is the big one where it's like yes the 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 the, the the beast with the big horns and the, the, the cane and they cane the kids they like they give them a good smack and that's a part of of this movie They kidnap all these naughty children and and they want to give them a good smack mm. <laughs> just... that, that's
1: it's also yeah good when we have you know an evil presence that is uh alignment wise lawful like they 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 follow strict rules and the heroes can you know, kind of manipulate that. So, like, the way that the film gets resolved is like, oh, we know how these uh, Santa elves work, so we will use that against them. Or or the the kid is always reinforcing the fact that, you know, while all this, you know, horrible stuff is happening, it's like, I've been naughty and they're trying to, you know, punish me for this. They're, they're just reinforcing that the fairy tale aspect of the film. So it's, it's the way to make the, the uh, fairy tale come to life in a really dark way
0: uh my favorite section was the when it became when it focused on being a moral dilemma they have this old man they be- they just believe him to be some old man. They have some ID of for him, but they think he's dead. That he fell into the wolf trap that the father set up at the beginning of the movie, and that he's dead. And he brings the dad brings in one of his friends, and then it becomes it becomes a crisis because it's like, well, the wolf traps are illegal, so you can't just get out of this. So. Do we dispose of the body? Oh, yes, we have to dispose of the body. We have to make sure the kid doesn't pay attention. Oh, no, the body's still alive and still still active. And now he's fighting us. And now we have to bring more people in to help us deal with this. And oh, no, the chief of police is coming into the, the area because he's looking for the kids. And now oh, we have to keep calm. And oh, no, our son is the son is now aware of what's going on. And that was what I really was like glued to the screen of and i'm not surprised to see from what little i've read that the, the the short film lives in that vein a lot more like if you look at the picture the pictures online of, of the short film it's of those three hunter guys in that in that area with blood on him looking afraid and it's like oh yeah you can tell like in the short that this is the premise like oh no we we found santa claus or what we think is santa claus and do we kill him or not and i really loved that and it made me think also of a film that we really loved when we did mystery box called murder party murder party where they're not the same but they just have again that low budget genre feel and where they take place in very few locations and thus you have to write a story that's really compelling to justify the the limitations of one's budget and that's also something i really really was appreciative like really was just rooting for this film was you can see they had limitations but they worked within them and it and it gets to a point where it doesn't matter and I thought they just had that scrappy charm that you see uh, in underdog stories like Ed Wood, for instance, where it's like Ed Wood, the filmmaker, and his ragtag bunch of uh, misfits try to make a movie. But the the joke in Ed Wood is that he's a terrible filmmaker and he's not very good at it. (laughs) But in this real life story, it's like you've got a very good filmmaker and you've got great actors and you've got a fun little idea and that's enough. And that's enough. And I found that at times I was a little bit disengaged with the movie because I could feel uh, the, the, the padding of it. But once it was all wrapped up and concluded, I also had that similar thing to you where... Perhaps on a revisit, this would go down a little smoother now that I know what I'm really in for, because I had certain expectations of what was a movie that was, was really talked about in my, in my circle when it came out, and I had, a, I had a picture in my mind of what this would be, and it wasn't that. And what I did get was, was something that was aiming for what it hit.
1: Yeah, you when you, you mentioned like the part that you were most engaged in was you know when the, you had the moral dilemma, which is sort of like the middle-ish second half, just part of the film. The second half of this film really did land pretty well for me, um, and I guess that means that while I was watching it, like I guess the first half I was still waiting for it to show its hand. Yeah, it would be it would be interesting to rewatch with like a group. I reckon
0: very I have, much have like, m-
1: multiple voices, you know commenting on the film as we're watching it sort of thing, seeing what works. Like I was thinking, you know, with the whole me taking the family drama aspect um, at face value, I was wondering if like, you know, if I was watching it with a group, I might be more inclined to laugh at like, oh, that was a bit of an awkward interaction there. And maybe, you know, the comedy would come out a bit more naturally that way.
0: Perhaps. Uh, With all of this talk about, santa claus and the in and the, and the whole uh ethos and mythos and everything around him within the finnish culture but also what is presented in this movie because again this is a film they have to do their version of of things they have to give their look on it and also have our characters mold it themselves because one of the things i i found really really striking and unique about this was Everyone involved, all the party, all the part major players. Once they knew what it was, oh, it's Santa Claus, and it's this mythical beast that's going to kill us all if we're bad. Hmm, how can I profit off of this? <laughs> and it wasn't, dis- it wasn't like discerned to. Oh, only the villains think that way. No, our heroes think that way too because they've got to earn some scratch.
1: Yeah, and they've already lost a lot of opportunity to earn money thanks to the conflict.
0: What did you think of, of, of that of that addition to this? Because it could have stayed just being Oh, it's the family, the father and son, and oh, the the smaller community having to band together to save the community and themselves and their children against this insidious force. But instead, like all of that stuff, is secondary to, hmm, how can we make profit off of this?
1: I really liked the aspect of there is a very specific amount of money that you know, that they really want to get because that's what they feel entitled to. It's like $85,000 because early on in the film, um, they see that, what were they hunting again? It wasn't mooses. It was a a reindeer. Um, They see that there is like, oh, I think it was like 400 and something reindeer just all dead in this big ass field um, near near a border. Um and they ask one of them who's good at maths, like, Oh man, how much how much would this how much would we have earned if we had gotten all this? It was like eighty five thousand dollars and then throughout the film that number gets repeated where it's like, Oh, they're currently holding this potential Santa Claus at a ransom. Ask for eighty five thousand dollars and one of the others is like, why don't we ask for a million? It's like, no, eighty five thousand dollars.
0: Yeah. Don't be greedy now.
1: (laughs) Really now. Um, and then I think at the end of the film, when mm-hmm. they've gathered up all the Santa helpers, um, they use that value and then like multiply it to get a new value of profit. So it's like <laughs> that 85,000 uh, variable is always the variable that they're working with because that's mm-hmm. what they feel entitled to and that's what they're basing uh, their eventual reward on.
0: I think it is just such a it's it's obviously a joke and it's very funny but I I am I am just in awe that there is no moral judgment bullshit about how they want to capitalize off of this. If this was again a Hollywood picture that would be I think you know what's another one I think of um uh uh, uh small Ooh, soldiers.
1: Thinking... Oh, okay, that's different from what else. Yep.
0: What did you say?
1: I was thinking of a specific lemonade Joe comparison. Oh yes,
0: <laughs> no, a Western film, not not a Western cowboy, but a Western made movie. Small yep. soldiers. It's like, oh no, we're getting attacked by toys. But how? But you have Phil Hartman be like, but how can we profit off of them? And it's treated like that's funny, but it's bad. You shouldn't think like that. You should want to protect the good toys and and kill those evil toys. And and this movie's just just doesn't give a shit about that usual complaint within the thesis statement of a movie that greed is bad and we should kill it and even the little guy struggling shouldn't strive to want excess in funds but here they don't know the joke is it's like you could ask for more no eighty five thousand seems pretty reasonable, and then at the end, it's like sixteen million and, <laughs> and they don't do they don't react in ways that you would expect, like for instance, when they think this old man is just an old man and he's like bitten one of them in the face and they're afraid of him, like he just bit through something and they're really upset by him. And the child, a lead child, walks into the room and the old man starts responding to him. The dad grabs the kid and throws him in front of the old man to see what would happen. Mm. That, that was, that was. Like, do you know this man? <laughs> yeah, do you know this? And I'm like, that's not how I would be responding to this.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that was a lot. That was a really funny contrast because throughout the film, I mentioned before, like the constant thing with the kid is like, just stay there, stand back did you hear me stand back and then like the father starts moving forward and the kid starts following and it's like ah, okay you know he's he's not able to control the kid like that but now here we've got the opposite where he like thrusts the kid forward towards the danger
0: and and that happens uh throughout where these adults are so reckless but the film is still on their side there is no wagging of the finger of the dad in that moment. The movie is, in fact, being like, the dad's doing a good thing right now, which is which is interesting. Like, I don't know what to make of that, if that's just uh, the movie's sensibilities or if this is just a, a different cultural thing or if it's a joke in itself, but... I just really was was just happy with how the film continuously kept doing things like that with just the, the emphasis on money or how they treated the children or how they reacted to the Santa's little helpers where they stopped being afraid of them very quickly. Like, there was moments where they were afraid, but then once they came to terms with what was going on, they just got in, in, in fight mode. They were no longer in flight mode. They're like, okay... This is how we deal with them. Let's kick their ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: the, 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 whole, the whole moral aspect, too. It's reminded me of when we did, I believe it was last year's Spooky Mother, The Trip.
0: Oh, yes. I thought where about that, fi- that.
1: Yeah, where, you know, throughout that film, there is very much, like, this danger. like, You know, home invasions happening. Our lives are... You know under threat and then the film ends and it's becomes very capitalistic like oh let's profit off of what just happened <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and let's uh demystify our villain
1: mm. because yeah, let's, this movie's let's hollywood him
0: <laughs> yeah this movie's all about building up that slow dread and then by the end let's just corral them and shave them and clean them and just sell them
1: yeah, mole Santa them
0: <laughs> this mole centre the, the these ghouls, that was that was such a that was a crazy moment in the movie. I was just like, yeah. they, and they play it so slowly. Like the end of the movie is so slow and meticulous. Of so they're going down the line and and you see what it is the visual storytelling and their father and son just looking at these these old men and just smacking them and being like, no, not that and and just just. It was and you yeah. you're having a piece together like oh they've made <laughs> they've made a little business out of it
1: yeah I remember the shot of when when the father was, had the kid on his lap and they're like smiling and he was hugging him and wearing the santa hat that was reminding me of the the ending of lemonade Joe which was also sort of you know parodying the ultimate happy ending of like oh look everything's going well for them oh look and now they've struck oil oh now this is happening and now this is happening it's yeah it just reminded me of that where it's like oh the, the whole film the story is done now this is the new thing this is the capitalist venture that we've started
0: is there uh, much else you want to go over examine uh highlight with rare exports um the
1: you mentioned that this is you know sort of a based on a four minute short that they made early in the 2000s the trivia that i was reading and i guess this is a different thing is that this is sort of a prequel to a series of short films that they made, which is based on the Mole Santa plot at the end of this film.
0: Oh, okay. Did you you read that? No, I just saw on IMDb, you know, when you get that, like, here's a thing similar to. It -hmm. had rare exports, and it was like a four-minute short about hunters in the woods who find... Uh, a Santa Claus, and that okay, was like yeah. the premise. And I'm like, oh, that's like this movie's middle chunk.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I was reading somewhere that there was a series of short films that they made that was based on like the mole Santa thing, and this in a weird way is like a prequely origin story to
0: that. Maybe I'm Look, misremembering There's a rare exports cinematic universe we have yet to be fully ingratiated with. Were you okay with Santa the the big monster? That was, uh, threatened and perhaps even promised during out during the film that he did not get to appear really.
1: Well, uh, I I did like the twist that even though we did get the, uh, the the law dump during the opening credits of like oh this Santa's like this monstery thing I did like the eventual twist of like oh no 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 he's a gigantic monster that like these natives once defeated I I did like that twist it and it was and seeing the spectacle of the big chunk of ice with the horns coming out of it was cool um in terms of was i bothered by the fact that he didn't like defrost and end up being the main threat no i didn't really mind that i i thought i thought that the the sort of mystique around him was enough and the fact that he was taken down by you know, three hunters with dynamite, you know, that that sat well with me.
0: A gag early on that I found very good was the opening scene about the rich guy finding out that they have found it, and then he gives, like, the safety instruction booklets, and it's, like, all of these, like, affirmation, like, wash behind your ears! Yeah, all these good
1: platitudes. <laughs> all these
0: good things, and the, and the guy just being like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs>
1: things that mum and dad would tell you to do.
0: And then it doesn't work because the rich guy still gets killed <laughs> by by one of Santa's. Oh, and the gag about defeating Santa's little helpers or getting past them is by throwing them gingerbread men. Little yeah.
1: cookies. <laughs> I like that. I also like that that recurring aspect of it, where it's like, oh, the father only really makes gingerbread cookies, and like. It's like, oh, you, you, you need to you need to eat your meal. It's like I had my gingerbread cookie. Well I have another one. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then his friend is the one eating it, and that like gets a reaction out of the potential dead Santa. And mm. the, the, the gingerbread cookies were very important, much like the rise and fall of Baal with the cookies.
0: And this is something too where none of our like heroic characters die. Yeah, that's true they all live like the kids obviously live but all of the adults all of the, even the cop that was in this movie for a brief brief moment it's only the evildoers that get killed there is no this isn't like tremors where everyone is up for grabs it's uh, a movie where the good guys genuinely come out okay yeah that's
1: I I did like that aspect as well because yeah I mean one of them lost an ear I guess,
0: yeah but still was it yeah. yeah did he lose his ear I knew he got bit on the side of the face
1: but yes. I I, th- I thought his ear got bitten off because he was leaning in like oh is this guy trying to say something and then the guy like leaned forward oh, yeah. and bit so
0: but he but he lived and he he was a big hero he 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 drove he was, the helicopter
1: he was a helicopter
0: pilot yeah 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 again like. All of our main guy. I like the one who can speak English, and he only does it for, like, machismo action lines.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, if you showed all his scenes of speaking English out of context, you would think that he was, like, a bad guy henchman.
0: Or, like, a Jean-Claude Van Damme type. Yeah. <laughs> like, the... You know, you don't mess with our town. I, I, and I like he was doing his, like, pseudo-American accent on top of it. You know, like, it wasn't just, oh, he's just speaking. Yeah, I just, he was, all of them were great. Like, all the adult characters were were good. I, yeah, I All, all three
1: of them brought something
0: to it. I even, like, I, I bring him up a lot, but I, I did like that, the, like, the, sh- the cop that came in briefly. I was like, hey, this guy's fun. I kind of wish he was in the movie more. He's just one of those actors where it's like, oh, this guy's a look. You know, he has a look at a, and an energy to him, like he's a—I don't know who he is, but I imagine he's like a Finnish character actor man. He's the Stephen Root of Finland, is what I'll say. But uh, that's rare exports. I—I I, was—I uh, did enjoy it. It's not one of my favourites, and when I watched it last night, I was middling on it. I was like, oh, you know, it has some things to appreciate, some things not so much. But uh, now getting to talk about it and getting to look at it overall and think about it too as like a holiday film, Uh, it really did give more than it needed to. It could have just... It could have just been a lazy film. It could have just been content with being a film shot at night in a in a snowy location with the characters walking around, muttering to themselves, and getting picked off one by one by some ghouls. And then at the end, they kill the ghouls, and that's it. But they they it doesn't it doesn't do that. There's 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 just more stuff that's put into this than uh, you may have expected. I'm pretty
1: much the same way. Yeah. I I appreciated it more when it ended and appreciate it more talking about it now, getting all our thoughts out there.
0: Yeah. Highlighting
1: things that I hadn't thought about.
0: And that is our discussion on Rare Exports. I do recommend it. I say, check it out. Yeah.
1: Check it out. I think, I think this would be fun to watch with a group too.
0: So maybe get some friends together. Yeah. I think it's one where it's like it's a little bit more the dry side, but give it a chance.
1: Like yeah. this is true.
0: Yeah, this isn't as like crowd pleasingly wonderful as say like a like a one cut of the dead, but they both have uh that community, yay, we came together and did a thing. And uh that's always something to be appreciated. Like just just clap, give a clap to, and just just have a cheer about. But
1: yeah, all of the films you're we comparing it to, I have, I did enjoy those films too. So that's
0: that's a good sign. But that is our discussion, and that's our final episode of uh, of the year. Isn't mm-hmm. that isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, it's been a whole year since we finished a year.
0: But. How do you feel about how everything went in 2023, whether just in general or or just the podcast stuff?
1: Yeah, last night I was actually looking through our catalogue for this year and I went like many, many months in a row where I like really enjoyed almost every film we watched.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to to recall if there was... I, I did not look like you did, but I'm trying to recall if there was many movies this year that i was like ah i hated that (laughs) not so much there was ones like like we just did last of the mohicans that i was just yeah about but there was lots of and i think we had an eclectic taste i I tried to inject a lot more animated films throughout the year you
1: you stated very early on that that was going to be a goal of yours and yeah we had quite a number of those like even one of our guests recommended, like, Son of the White Mare, I'm seeing here. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I think we had a the, the surprising mix of, of movies that one of us may not have enjoyed, but the other did, and then we discussed it, and, and we got to really bring out something in the movie that that wasn't, like, as obvious when we are watching it. Like, I like the mission, but I mm. liked it even more when we got to talk about it and 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 even like the Polish, we fight we did our polish movie we finally yeah, finally did one. the one and, that i was thinking of too and that was one where again like i i was just scratching my head at it at times but got to break it down and got to do that and heck we even did a tyler perry movie this year we did don't look up a movie that i expected i would loathe and hate but actually (laughs) didn't mind too much so yeah, i'm
1: I'm looking at the list now and like in, in august we did terminal velocity and that was an okay film but like looking down the list like oh that's the first one where i was kind of you know air on it
0: yeah So that is it. It is my turn for the recommendation. I'm starting up what we're going to be launching into for 2024. And I'm going to give us a foreign film as well. It's going to be one that's on a little bit of the longer side, like uh, two hours and 20-something minutes long, or maybe two and a half. I haven't double-checked. But I saw this one in the cinema, and it was Mm -hmm. up for some important stuff it didn't get any i don't think it got an oscar nomination sadly but we're going to do we're going to revisit a director of note with his film decision to leave this is by the same director who did the handmaiden okay and old boy and so on and so on this is his most recent film uh park chan wook who yeah did decision to leave a movie it's, uh, I won't give too much away, but I'm very keen on giving it a revisit. I very much enjoyed it when I saw it in the cinema. I own this on Blu-ray. Haven't watched it since that cinema experience. I saw it with my wife and a couple of friends, and I was the one who liked it. <laughs> the so, one who liked it. Right? Yeah. I think Rachel, Rachel enjoyed it well enough. Like, it's It's got some funny stuff. And, Did you uh, see this one with Mark? Yes, I saw it with former housemate Mark and his Mark uh, Mark girl, two Mark Mark two Mark Mark three and his girlfriend. And uh yes, this this will be a curious I vaguely one to talk remember
1: about. you talking about this and the fact that they didn't like it. Yeah.
0: yeah, the one thing I think I remember talking to you about very recently, and now it's kind of escaped me, is I think like the lead actress in this movie, like her whole thing is I think she's like from japan or from somewhere else and she had to learn korean because it's a whole bunch of that we'll we'll talk about it when we get there but decision to leave is the film we will be going through so everyone please make sure in the interim of time to check it out when will we be back Uh, within the early part of january similar to last year i would expect maybe the second week of january we'll we're going to take some time off for the holidays, enjoy New Year's, kick our feet up and just sit back and relax. And then we'll be back to talking about those wacky movies. What do you think will be a major recurring thing in 2024 when it comes to the movies we watch, Bartek? Do you have any, any guesses? What do you think will be a thing that could recur, whether it's a, a particular genre or style of movie or actor or anything? Do, do you have any gut feeling feelings um
1: uh, oh i i don't D- Did we have one this year
0: well other than we did have animated come up a bunch yeah um i feel like 2024 will be the year of gmari <laughs>
1: well a lot of anniversaries
0: <laughs> we have one
1: we do have one we're gonna have 400 soon i think
0: yes we are <laughs> we have <laughs> to keep an eye on that um wouldn't it be wild if we just kept having a Giamatti month? No, I honestly don't know. I'm hoping that we have musicals. I, I'm, I'm like, man, I kind of miss doing musicals. Like, hey, we'll do Baz Luhrmann month. Did you know? We've got to wrap this up. But did you know Australia the film by Baz Luhrmann has been broken up into a TV series on Disney Plus? I think you've said this before. Yeah, they're trying to sell it off as a new thing. Like, hey, do you want to watch this drama? And it's like, no, it's just, it's just Australia the film. But since Australia the film was so long, you can break it up into multiple episodes. But the thing is, the film wasn't the film's not made that way. Mm-hmm. You fucks! <laughs> I, remember sure. the, the,
1: the, I remember them showing us the trailer for that in a university class. Like, what's wrong with this trailer?
0: <laughs> and what was wrong with it, Bartek?
1: Well, here's a film celebrating Australia, and it's a Hollywood film, or something like that.
0: Oh, yes. Here's a film where the aboriginals have a mystical king who emerges from the smoke in every scene he's in. Ooh, mystical. Magic. Well, this,
1: so this uh, this mu- musical theme for next year, is that what we would call a promise? Oh,
0: Bartek, you said that there was a promise that had to be kept in this episode, and I yeah. can't recall what it was.
1: <laughs> so, uh, the very first episode of this year, Tears of the Black Tiger, um, I jokingly said, like, oh, at the, at the end of this year, for the final episode, Ryan will sing for us. And my and the promise that I have to keep is that I have to listen to you sing. <laughs> but seeing as you're sick, I'm kind of feeling guilty about you
0: that. You should be fu- me sick, no way. <laughs> reproduction, reproduction. Oh man, Grease two still lives in my head, baby. Let's bowl, let's bowl, let's rock and roll. Okay, we'll do Grease One next year. <laughs> Please, I've done nothing wrong. It does have Kanicki. So it, it does, yeah. We I'll we like it. we like Jeff Conaway. I love Jeff Conaway. I miss that guy. He's my favorite child star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: child model.
0: Nope. Uh, but in the meantime, we can be found on uh, some social medias under. Yum, uh, I was going to say Yum Yum Podcast. That's my other one. We can be found under some social medias with Spit and Polish Presents. You can email us if you want to contact us directly or give us recommendations for movies. Yes, we take your recommendations, we put them in the list, and we go through them. And if you want to fulfill the 2024 promise of some more musicals, then you could pitch musicals our way. Or not, you don't have to if you want to give us an expressionist German film or whatever the case may be. As long as we can find it, we'll do it. Just hit us up at our email address, which is spitandpolished at gmail.com. Ah, there we go. All of this is in the description below, and if you have not rated and reviewed the podcast, you're naughty, naughty boy or girl, and we're gonna give you a good smack on the bottom. That's right. Smack on the bottom, I said it. Um, Naughty Boy, musical,
1: Life of Brian, there's an
0: idea. No, there you go, there's one, this one, write that down. We haven't done a Monty Python. Not a big fan of Monty
1: Python, but...
0: You are good. not. I know this. I gave Bartek, when the pandemic started, a copy of a series that I dearly love called Ripping Yarns by uh, Michael Palin and Terry Jones of... The, the Monty Python things, and he and he watched a single episode and said he enjoyed it and then never never touched it again. It's still at his place, gathering dust. I'm, I'm touching it right now. You should watch some. Perhaps that's your Christmas gift to me, is watching a thing I give you. You did that with Babylon 5. <laughs> but uh. Everyone, thank you so much for following us and tuning in during all of this, and we hope that you join us again. Enjoy the holiday season and the end of the year, and hopefully the new one will bring about so much kooky, wonderful stuff for you all. But uh, until next time, remember to be kind to each other, or else, or else Santa Claus will get you.
1: Dude, you were being all uplifting and then you said something fucked up at the end. Why'd you do that?
0: Did I do that? (laughs) See, that's a callback to Big Fat Liar. No, not not Giamatti. Fucking Jaleel White. Jaleel White year. It sounds like Giamatti,
1: Giamatti, Jaleel White, Giamatti. (laughs) Have they ever been in a film together?
0: Other than Big Fat Liar? I hope so. What's Big Fat Liar? I don't know. Let's do that. <gasps> we should do Big Fat Liar 2. With Barry Bostwick? Yes, please.